Good morning, my beautiful kings and queens. It is Friday, April 10th, 2015. It's kind of chilly out here this morning, so hopefully you bundled up. Kings and queens, someone proposed me with the question the other day, and I'm a little stuck on it. I was asked, was I trying to racially unite or racially incite? Racially unite. We're hearing a little bit from pianist and composer Courtney Bryan. She's reciting her own text here and performing on the piano. The piece is called A Presence. I chose to open with it because of its political message of unity. Let's keep listening. Well, honestly, I feel that. Well, honestly, I feel that. My goal is to racially unite. process of doing that some people will be incited i.e. upset because based on the history of america to try and get past that and that is ultimately impossible it's impossible to happen until certain people realize realize based on the history based on marriage into a certain type of privilege and it does not matter if you never break a law based on based on if you never get into any trouble Part of the reason for that being is the police don't even suspect you of doing anything wrong. that's going on in America.
Well, that piece continues for some time. It's a little bit more than 20 minutes long, so we won't be able to play all of it at the beginning, but I wanted to open with it because I really think it's beautiful. The piece is by Courtney Bryant. It's called A Presence, and it features her speaking and playing the piano. Actually, it sounds to me a little bit like she's improvising on a hymn tune, a real hymn tune, or, or maybe one that she made up herself, but it has that kind of sound to me. And I also really admire this piece for its message of political unity. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted, and my theme on the program today is activist composers. I'm talking to three composers who are responding to perceived injustices or really working to change what they see as not quite perfect in the world through the medium that they know best, which is, of course, music. And I think that no matter what our politics are, we can all agree that the world is not a perfect place, and we as citizens have, a, I think, a duty, really, to try and respond to that, and especially to foster dialogue. So I want to make it clear that we're not trying to force any particular political opinion on anyone on the show today. In fact, far from it. All three of the composers with whom I spoke are really interested in fostering dialogue. They enjoy talking to audience members at the end of a concert, especially people who don't agree with them. And I think that really right now in such a divided political environment, this has never been more important, this idea of fostering dialogue, using music and art to really express different opinions. And hopefully we can really gain some respect for opinions that are different than our own. The composers that I'm speaking with on the program today are Courtney Bryan, David T. Little, and Ted Hearn. And we opened up with a piece by Courtney Bryan, and I'm going to play now a piece of hers called Sanctum, which was written for the American Composers Orchestra. In fact, it was a commission by the ACO. But first, I had a really interesting conversation with Courtney about how she became politically aware. Ever since I was very little, like I would go to the piano, and whatever I was feeling would come out through the music first, and then I could articulate it in words. For me, being very bothered with that issue of police brutality and a certain amount of feeling of powerlessness with it, the the Black Lives Matter movement, I've been very energized by that because it's one of the immediate reactions might be when you're bombarded with bad news is to become numb and just become cynical about the world. But what I try to do is remain open emotionally to what, what I'm feeling and, and hope, hopefully my own vulnerability through the music will offer a space for the listener to to also process their own emotions about these issues or, or other issues that may affect them the same way that the issues of police brutality affect me. That's pianist and composer Courtney Bryan talking about how she came to embrace the Black Lives Matter movement and how she uses it in her music. We're going to hear a piece where she does that specifically, an orchestral piece called Sanctum. But first, let's have Courtney tell us a little bit more about this piece, the specific inspiration for Sanctum. Sanctum, I wrote that in 2015. The influence I had was um, from holiness preaching tradition. So I was listening a lot to Pastor Shirley Caesar and to Reverend C.L. Franklin, who's the father of Aretha Franklin. And I was listening musically, I was listening to their vocal style of how they preach, because it's, it's partly sung and partly spoken. And then, um, but I also was listening to the sermons. Them. Shirley Caesar's sermon in particular is called The Praying Slave Lady. It was about a black woman uh, during slavery. The slave master was threatening to whip her if she kept praying at a certain time instead of working. So in the sermon, she says that after the slave master threatens her, she continues to pray at the usual time she prays. And then when he tries to whip her, there's spirits that intervene and he can't move his arm. And so that's the story. Um, and the sermon is really 
struck me because it had I had that response like what really happened in that situation that where she killed or was it something where literally you know his hand couldn't move because the spirits intervened and when I kept hearing about different things that were happening around and um, people being attacked by police or killed by police and, and knowing that the justice system would likely not give justice in the situation. I just kept thinking about that story and just trying to envision, like, if some, you know, some spirits could stop it from happening. That's Courtney Bryan talking about the specific inspiration for the piece we're about to hear, Sanctum. And to me, this is just a very, very moving idea for a piece of music, not only thinking about the cadence and message of a preacher, but also this idea of a spirit that could intervene to prevent injustice. Here is the American Composers Orchestra, led by George Manahan, to perform Sanctum by Courtney Bryan. And this is actually the world premiere. We're bringing you now into the concert hall for the first time that this work was performed.
It's a piece by Courtney Bryan. It's called Sanctum. We heard George Manahan conducting the American Composers Orchestra, and that was a commission by the ACO, and in fact, we heard the world premiere performance, which is a lot of fun. I love that we can get audio like that on the program and take you into the concert hall in New York for the first time that this music was heard. The piece is so interesting to me. It's very, very muddy in the beginning, that opening in the brass, and then it becomes more and more clear, as it were, that the textures become more transparent as the piece goes forward. And then those voices come in, the pre-recorded voices. To me, it's just a profoundly moving piece of music. A great performance by the American Composers Orchestra as well. I think it was probably a sophomore in college, and I discovered the Kronos Quartet's recording Howl USA. And that got me really excited. And it was the first time that it had occurred to me that music could have some sort of political element to it. And from that point on, I, I set out to understand how, you know, how, how does that work and how does it work well? And as I pursued that, there were always new questions and roadblocks that were thrown up. It's like, well, then it's just propaganda. Okay, well, how can it be, how can you have politically engaged music that's not propaganda? What does that mean? And, you know, you very quickly run into um, critical theory and, and Adorno and all of these, this, this constellation of, of thinkers around this topic 
And so it ended up becoming the topic of my dissertation because I had to go that far with it to really find the answers. And I think the answers are very personal. They're my own kind of answers, but I had to go through all of the history and really understand, you know, how was Hans Eisler thinking about this? How was Cornelius Cardew thinking about this? And then what do I think about this? And what was interesting is that the patterns showed that in the 1930s and the 1970s, the political music that was being written was very closely tied to certain ideologies. Um, so once you get into the sort of post-Reagan era, this the ideology isn't as present, and the way the music is being approached shifts to be slightly more interested in documentary. I call it the, the politics of bearing witness, where it doesn't necessarily make a political point, but really presents a very moving uh, narrative that leads you as a listener to a conclusion, or possibly many conclusions, but it's about instigating that act. So a lot of my works have really taken that on. That's composer David T. Little talking about how you can have politically engaged music that isn't propaganda, that fosters dialogue. Like I said at the opening of the show, all three of the composers are really, really interested in that, in fostering dialogue, especially with people who don't necessarily share their opinions. I want to play a movement from Dog Days. And this is an opera. I happened to see this several years ago when it premiered in New York. It's a hard-hitting tale. It's a post-apocalyptic. We're in the near future. It's about a family that is uh, bereft of everything quite literally starving to death as war ravages all around them. We're going to hear Rubicon. And here is James Bobbick as baritone in the lead role. And the conductor here is Alan Pearson. This is from the CD release of Dog Days by David T. Little. Howard. 
best be looking elsewhere.
music by David T. Little from his opera Dog Days. We heard Rubicon, and it's hard-hitting, isn't it? Uh, I saw the production, and uh, it's devastating. Uh, David's music is is visceral. It's always, uh, there's this sense of physicality to his music. It, it envelops you, and, and uh, it really sucks you in. I mean, it can be a harrowing experience, quite frankly, to listen to David's music, and I mean that in a really good way. Uh, I'm a big fan, uh, but, but he really... He, he does, as an artist, I, th- I think he kind of socks you in the gut a little bit, and we definitely hear that in that piece, Rubicon from Dog Days. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers, and my theme today is activist composers, composers who are interested in making the world a better place through their music, in addressing social injustices, and fostering dialogue, especially with people who may not agree with their opinions. To subscribe to our podcast, for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, or for a complete playlist of what we're featuring on the program today, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. I read this fantastic book, uh, Creative Life by Bob Ostertag. And there's this line in that book which says that politics is about winning, which is a concept meaningless to art. And that really struck me. The idea of winning is so is so present in politics, and I think part of that just made me think. Made me it just 
I don't know if disillusioned is the right word, but I found politics itself just to be so gross. The, the whole process is just problematic and, and unappealing. And I wonder if that had something to do with it, that I thought, ah, oh, you know, this is just this, is just this uh, in the parlance of our time, this swamp that has just always been a swamp and will always be a swamp. Do I want to engage with that swamp? And so the step from that to, well, let's talk about the nature of truth, which the swamp does not possess. That's composer David T. Little talking about the swamp that is politics. It's always been a swamp. It'll always be a swamp. And of course, that's true to a certain measure. And we can all become disillusioned at times and really wonder if what we're doing is making an impact. And uh, so it was an interesting part of our conversation. Of course, that's not the way that, that David feels all the time. But I feel like a lot of us who engage, whether it is through the arts or, or in other ways with politics, a lot of times we can really wonder if what we're doing is making a difference. And we have to just believe that it is. I want to play another Another excerpt of my conversation with David. This is specifically about his piece, Haunt of Last Nightfall, which addresses a, a horrific event that happened in the past. Because Haunt of Last Nightfall is with track, it's also amplified. So there are moments where you have four percussionists wailing on bass drums with this pre-recorded track with electric guitars, and it's very loud and it's very aggressive. And you have subs that are shaking the room so that it is a physical experience as well as an aural experience and that you are physically, you physically connect with the work, which is something that you hear, you know, you feel that when you go to a rock show, you know, you feel the music. And I think that's part of the listening experience that we don't often get in acoustic classical music. It's a different experience, you know, but there's something about the that being so visceral that in combination with the emotional thrust of the music and the subject matter it is exploring that hopefully will, I mean, frankly, leave you shaken in such a way that you will not be able to forget that this event happened. That's just an excerpt of my talk with David T. Little about this piece, Haunt of Last Nightfall. And again, like I said before, actually before the, in the first half of the program, I was talking about how to me his music is visceral and uh, well, it's not accidental. He's talking here about sound actually entering the body so that it's a physical experience. So that is certainly part of what he's trying to do in his music. The movement that I chose to play from Haunt of Last Nightfall, we're gonna hear Between the Hammer and the Anvil. Here is Third Coast Percussion to perform. Music of David T. Little.
percussion music by David T. Little, and I should point out that he is a drummer in addition to being a composer and a very good theatrical composer, operatic composer. But he started as a drummer in uh, in, in drum corps and then in rock bands, and uh, so that's something that he's very, very comfortable with, writing percussion music, and I think we heard it there. The piece is for Third Coast Percussion. It is called Haunt of Last Nightfall, and it addresses a horrific massacre. We heard Curtin El Mazote, and then Between the Hammer and the Anvil. That's music of David T. Little. It's only a small part of the piece. It's a big piece. So if you're interested in hearing the rest of it, do check it out. It's called Haunt of Last Nightfall. The third composer that I talked with is Ted Hearn. Ted really made a big splash on the compositional scene with Katrina Ballads many, many years ago. Katrina Ballads was this incredibly sympathetic response to the people of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. And uh, from there, he's gone on to make a lot of of, uh, pieces of music that that stimulate conversation that I, I think provide engaging and intriguing responses among the people who hear his work. So uh, here's a little bit from Ted about his compositional process and what kinds of things inspire him as a composer. Well, every time I write a piece, I try to do something that I don't know can be done. You know, try to make a sound that I haven't heard before. I think for me, that's a big part of what I like about being an artist. It is possible to create a world that does not yet exist. It's optimism. It's hope, you know. know, I don't think of it as like a retreat into a world that is separate from from reality. But I feel like, for me, I want to make something new, and I want to make something, you know, better than what we have. We're hearing from composer Ted Hearn, and I just have to say I really love this idea that he's talking about it's possible to create a world that doesn't yet exist. He's talking about in music or, or in art, and I think it's such an interesting idea, especially for a composer like Ted, who's so often inspired in his music by real-life events. I'm going to play excerpts from two pieces by Ted, Sound from the Bench and The Source. Let's start with a couple of excerpts from Sound from the Bench. Uh, What I've chosen to play is a movement called How to Throw Your Voice, referring to the ventriloquism, this idea that the Supreme Court is is a puppet and somebody else is pulling the strings. So here is the crossing to perform How to Throw Your Voice from Sound from the Bench by Ted Hearn. Breath, draw. 
music by Ted Hearn. It's from a big piece called Sound from the Bench. And this piece is about, I think it's about 45 minutes long. So it was very difficult to find an excerpt that does the entire piece justice. There's really no way to do it. Uh, so if you have a chance, check it out. It's called Sound from the Bench. The movement that I chose to play here was called How to Throw Your Voice. And it refers to this ventriloquist idea that Ted was talking about, the idea that the Supreme Court itself is a puppet, and the strings are being pulled by, by other forces. And uh, there's certainly, you know, there's no doubt at all that there are a lot of special interests in politics these days. That's one of the reasons that I chose to play it. I also happen to really like it musically. We heard the great vocal ensemble, The Crossing, performing alongside Taylor Levine and James Moore, electric guitars, with Ron Wiltrout on drums and percussion, and they were all conducted by Donald Nally. That's the first excerpt that I want to play by Ted Hearn, but I also want to touch on The Source, a large-scale theatrical piece that Ted wrote, the story of which is ripped right out of recent headlines. The Source is um, it's a setting of the words of the Army Private Chelsea Manning and also a setting of some of the, the documents from the Department of Defense that she was responsible for leaking to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, who ultimately released them um, with their media partners, I mean, I started, I started working on this project in 2010 before the leaks actually were released, you know, because Julian Assange was becoming this, like, somewhat known figure, and uh, I thought that there could be some really cool connections made with sound, and I was really interested in sampling and uh, peer-to-peer music sharing, you know. So that's sort of where the, where the impetus came from. But then when Chelsea Manning, who was then known as Bradley Manning, became a public figure when these leaks were released, the whole project changed. And the more I learned about Chelsea Manning, the more I... And the more inspired I got by her, the, the more the piece um, sort of became about what would you do in this situation? That's Ted Hearn talking about the inspiration for The Source. So much going on here, not, not only the story of Chelsea Manning, which is fascinating in and of itself, but also the idea of WikiLeaks. And love or hate Julian Assange, but uh, he has completely changed the game, no doubt about it. And, and it is an interesting question, and not only the information age, but, but, but transparency, what we're now calling radical transparency, whether you want it to be radical or not. Uh, the information, if you're using the internet, it's likely out there. Uh, so I don't know a topic that's more relevant than this. Again, the source is a large-scale piece, much like Sound from the Bench. It was very, very difficult to find excerpts uh, that in and of themselves do the, the entire piece justice, but I did what I could. I chose two. One is called Trust Logs, and the other is called I Encrypt As Much As I Can. And this piece was written in collaboration with the librettist Mark Doten. 
On Trust Logs, we're going to hear Jonathan Woody, Melissa Hughes, and Samia Mounts as the featured vocalists. Here is music from The Source by Ted Hearn. President Musharraf meets with Commander U.S. and Com. Source. American Embassy, Islamabad 01570, April 10, 2007. New U.S. Central Command Commander Admiral William J. Fallon met March 31st with Pakistani President Pervez Musharraf. They discussed Musharraf's participation at the recent Arab League summit. Disappointing. Musharraf's interest in engaging on Israeli-Palestinian peace efforts. As a go-between. His efforts to construct an alliance of moderate Muslim states. Slow going. The situation in Iraq Sunnis need to be given more Continuing concerns about Iran Too unpredictable And the status of Pakistan-Afghanistan relations And a plea for better understanding of Pakistan's perspective Can't President Friendly Action Cash Found Cleared Report Artillery Arsay North TF Warrior North S2 Classification Secret Zero Injured Zero Damage December 21st 2009 in the vicinity of Amman, Khutsara, Pulsara, Popolis, Bomb by Cash of 66 100mm artillery rounds buried in Amman, the neighborhood of Saropol City. According to the police, the rounds were dumped there by the Russians. They will be turned over, turned over, turned over to Hilltast! Or Distress. music from Ted Hearn's The Source, and we heard Trust Logs, 
and I encrypt as much as I can. And again, I, you know, it's, it's a big, big piece. Uh, as he said, in an oratorio, perhaps an opera, it, it's definitely a dramatic piece. There's an awful lot happening. There, there's a lot happening with pitch bends, and, and it's kind of smeary sense of, uh, uh, well, you just really never know where you are. Uh, Pitch-wise, I, I think also in, in terms of the politics of the situation, as he said, you, you could discuss this case a hundred different ways. Everybody has an opinion. And I think it's the perfect way to end this show, activist composers, because this is exactly what we're talking about. We have our opinions. We as artists, we want to change the world. As, as Ted said, it's possible to create a perfect world. We're all working towards that. At the same time, we have to respect other people's opinions, and we have to find common ground. We simply have to find a dialogue. And I think that's exactly what all three of the composers I featured on the program today are doing. Again, we heard from Courtney Bryan, Ted Hearn, and David T. Little. I hope you'll check out more of the music of these three composers, and you can find more at RelevantTones.com. Relevant Tones has been produced by Sarah Zwinklis, and additional production help provided by Rebecca Neidstedt. Relevant Tones is made possible by the generous support of the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm Seth Bostead from the WFMT Radio Network, Chicago.